Welcome to Seeking Knowledge, a genomics podcast from the Sequencing Center. I'm your host, Deidre Casey, here at the Sequencing Center Lab in Fort Collins, Colorado. Each week, we'll take a look at genomics-related topics, from current events to new ideas, with the hope of inspiring fellow knowledge seekers like you. Today, we'll discuss two main types of genome sequencing and why it might be better to choose one over the other. With me, I have CEO and founder of the Sequencing Center, Richard Casey. Welcome, Richard. Thank you. Glad to be here. Since this is our first show, why don't you go ahead and tell our seekers a little bit about yourself, your background, and what exactly you do at the Sequencing Center. So we decided to create the Sequencing Center a couple of years ago to provide uh, commercial sequencing services uh, to, the, to the U.S. and the outside markets. Uh, prior to this endeavor, I uh, spent about 15 years running a uh, academic uh, sequencing center. Uh, we had three or four sequencers there over that period of time. We had a number of uh, different sequencing instruments going all the way back to the solid days uh, this, with an instrument about the size of a football field <laughs> going, going back 15 years or so. Uh, we went through the Life Technologies products, uh, the uh, the Torrent and the Proton, and then we moved on to Illumina sequencing with uh, NexSeq and MySeq and so forth. And we did pretty much everything there, the library prep and uh, QC and sequencing and bioinformatics, data analysis and so forth. And then prior to that, I worked at uh, quite a few uh, organizations in computational biology and computer science and uh, tried to combine those all together. Thanks for giving us a quick background, and we're just going to jump right into it then. Genome sequencing has become a hot topic these days. We saw tremendous progress in the genomics world over the past few years, including the cost of sequencing dropping, gene therapy getting uh, FDA approval, and several companies, including Google, opening up access to genomic data. Today, I'd like to walk our listeners through the difference between whole genome sequencing and targeted resequencing, so we can all get a better understanding of what each type does and why researchers might choose one type over the other. So let's start out with whole genome sequencing. Richard, can you tell us what whole genome sequencing is and what kind of information are researchers going to get from this process? So uh, as the name implies, whole genome sequencing uh, is in fact sequencing an entire genome, not just one small region of it, like a few genes, but uh, sequencing the entire genome and so you can think of a couple different scales here, too. So what people often hear about human genome sequencing, it's very popular in the press. Uh, the thing about human genome sequencing is there's 3 billion base pairs, 3 gigabases. That's a quite a large genome to sequence. And something like, I don't know what the last count was, 20,000 or 23,000 genes in there. So it's, it's quite, a, quite a large uh, project to still sequence a, a whole human genome. Versus, say, what we do quite a bit in, in our lab right now, uh, we do a lot of microbial sequencing, bacterial, bacteriophage, viruses, yeast, parasites, fungi, and so forth. These are typically anywhere from, uh, you know, 5 megabases to maybe maybe 20 megabases, uh, quite a bit smaller. And so you can do whole genome sequencing at that scale very, very cost-effectively. You know, for example, we can run 15 or 20 bacterial sequences, uh, whole genome sequences in, an out, uh, in 24 hours uh, for a cost of maybe a couple hundred dollars per sequence, something like that. And so the reason you might want to do a whole genome sequencing, uh, one of them is if you have a novel organism, never been sequenced before, you don't know much about it, you don't know how many genes it has or what sort of uh, uh, genomic construction is, is available. So you want to do a whole genome sequencing on that organism just to get sort of an idea 
uh, of what that uh, what that genome looks like. Or you might be uh, resequencing uh, genomes from existing organisms, basically to compare one to the other, like comparative genomics. Uh, you might want to determine the number of chromosomes that are involved or the number of genes that are there, what the gene structure is. Uh, if you're doing uh, prokaryotes, uh, it's just looking at the genome itself. If you're doing eukaryotes, there is a more complicated gene structure. You know, it's going to have uh, exons and introns that you want to look at. And if you don't know what uh, genes are affecting a uh, particular disease state or, or something along those lines, you might want to sequence the entire genome to find that out. Uh, small genomes can be uh, very cost-effective to sequence. So, like I mentioned before, uh, we can do bacterial sequencing, uh, you know, 15 to 20 in a 24-hour run. Uh, we can do an awful lot of viral sequencing at one time, bacteriophage. Uh, on our instruments, we can do, oh, generally one or two yeast uh, sequences at a time. We can do parasites and fungi. So if you want to do cost-effective sequencing, uh, you might consider whole genome sequencing for that. All right, so to do a quick recap on that, uh, what I hear you saying is that People might choose to do whole genome sequencing if they're looking to understand the genomic structure of a novel organism, if you don't know which genes are affecting your research and you'd like a comprehensive view, as well as if you suspect that the whole genome is small enough, such as bacteria and viruses, it's just more cost effective to do the whole genome anyway. And it sounds like whole genome sequencing gives us a lot of valuable insight into a sample genome, so why wouldn't a researcher want to always do whole genome sequencing? So we get this question a lot. We get a lot of requests, for example, to do whole human genome sequencing. And you might say to yourself, do you, do you really want to do that? Do you really need to do that? And there are some reasons why you may actually not want to do the whole genome. Uh, one is if you're doing large genomes, you're going to get enormous volumes of data. It can be terabytes of data uh, that you have to deal with. Those can be uh, difficult to store. They can be hard to transmit, especially over slow internet connections. And so you're get, you can get, you'll have to work with a lot of data uh, and find a ways of, um, of actually storing it and transmitting it. Another thing is just the sheer complexity of the data. So with the human genome, you're looking at, you know, 23 chromosomes haploid, 46 chromosomes diploid. And so you know, all, the, uh, all the genes that are there, roughly 20,000 genes in a human genome, uh, 23,000, whatever that number is now. <laughs> and then all the exons and introns and everything else that are involved with uh, just the complexity of, the, of that uh, data. And so if you want to analyze it, you're, you're going to have a bioinformatics issue uh, and also a computational issue trying to deal with a lot of data. You may be getting a lot of data you don't need. If you only need to look at a handful of genes, say at the human scale, if you're looking, looking at a, maybe a couple dozen genes or a few hundred genes at a time, you don't need to look at all 20,000. Uh, a lot of genes are, are used for housekeeping. That is, they just perform pretty much the same function all the time, and they're not really involved in uh, disease states or something like that. So you may not need to uh, really analyze all the genes that are out there or just, just instead just some, uh, some subset. Uh, another, another issue is going to be just plain cost. And so if you're sequencing uh, large genomes um, or a large number of genomes, it's going to be, it could become fairly expensive um, to do whole genome sequencing either once, say in the case of human beings, or uh, doing a large number of genomes. So it sounds like even though whole genome sequencing gives us a lot of valuable insight into a genome, uh, there seem to be five main reasons why you wouldn't want to do it. And those include 
having a high volume of data, which is really slow to transmit over some networks, that data can be really complex, both bioinformatically as well as computationally. You mentioned that it'll give us a lot of extra data that might not be relevant to your particular research. You also mentioned the cost for larger organisms. There's obviously a lot more base pairs and thus the cost goes up. You also might not want to do whole genome sequencing if you're only focusing on a small gene set for protein coding or the like. And lastly, if you're looking for mutations in a particular gene, whole genome sequencing is probably not for you. So I think you're kind of alluding to it now, the idea of targeted resequencing, and I'd like to dig into that a little bit further. Can you explain what targeted resequencing is and when researchers should consider using that process? Sure. So with targeted resequencing, we're going to focus on a particular region of interest, and that region of interest could be one gene, it could be a set of genes, it could be particular exons, even introns, it could be promoters or enhancers or some other part of the genome. And we can design primer sets that uh, just target particular regions of interest. You might just be interested in particular SNPs, for example, or small indels, insertions and deletions. And, you know, in that case, you just look at, uh, you look at a much smaller region on the genome. You might be reevaluating a particular section of a genome because you may have sequenced it many years before. We have a lot of cases where people have done sequencing quite a number of years in the past on earlier instruments, uh, and they want to resequence it on the newer instruments with the newer library prep methods and newer DNA extraction methods, the newer instruments that we have uh, in the lab uh, that get much higher coverage, get much better uh, base call coverage. And so they might want to try doing uh, just a targeted resequencing for that particular reason. To recap what you just said, it seems like there are five main reasons a researcher might want to choose targeted resequencing. So one, if you want to sequence a small region of interest, such as a specific gene or gene set. Two, if you're interested in examining the number of promoters and enhancers present and what their structure looks like for gene regulation purposes. Three, if you're interested in SNPs or small indels, such as insertion and deletion. Four, you may want to reevaluate an older sequence for better clarity on newer technology. And finally, five, researchers interested in just the exome of an organism can benefit most from targeted resequencing. I think that will just about wrap it up for today's show. Richard, thanks for lending us your expert advice and helping us break down the differences between whole genome sequencing and targeted resequencing. If you listeners out there missed any important points, we record all the show notes for you, which can be found at thesequencingcenter.com slash episode one. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast site so you don't miss an episode and follow us on Twitter at the Seek Center, that's S-E-Q Center, for more genomics news. If you have any questions, comments, or need a quote, go ahead and email us at info at I'm Deidre Casey, and thanks for listening to Seeking Knowledge, a genomics podcast from the Sequencing Center.